And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a terrific week. Uh, great show for you today. I had my friend Tyler Grant from National Review on the show. Uh, I think he was on a few months back, uh, and I was happy to have him on again. And uh, He's a real smart guy, and we always have a very good conversation, so uh, I was always happy to, to talk to him. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. Uh, before we get to Tyler, I want to say hi to our sponsors over at Premier Vapor. If you smoke and want to quit, or if you vape already, you need to check out Premier Vapor. They have the largest selection of premium e-liquid anywhere in the country. Um, all their stuff is delicious. All their stuff uh, is FDA compliant. Not that it should have to be, but they are FDA compliant. Uh, they have any kind of mod, battery, coil, tank, replacement parts, anything you need, they have. Um, Premier Vapor has physical locations in Perrysburg, Ohio, and Holland, Ohio. So if you're Northwest Ohio or you're traveling through, check them out in person. If not, you can find them at PremierVaporAndLounge.com. That is Premier Vapor and Lounge. Dot com, um, and they will give you free shipping on all orders over 35 bucks. You really can't beat that. PremierVaporAndLounge.com. Check them out. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod if you haven't already. And uh, please subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud if you're on iTunes. Please give us a five-star rating and a good review. We'd really appreciate that. And uh, two shows every Monday and Wednesday afternoon. The content will always be free. But if you want to get involved, you can contribute monthly over at Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. Um, there's cool incentives uh, if you choose to do that. Um, so check us out over there. And uh, tweet at us if we get something wrong, if we got something right. We always love hearing hearing from you guys um, and we really appreciate the support I can't thank you enough um, just been getting so much great feedback from you guys I really really do appreciate it always trying to make this thing bigger and better for you guys and uh, we have a lot of cool stuff coming up without further ado I'm rambling today it's a weird day uh, without further ado here's my chat with Tyler Grant All right, guys, we're here with Tyler Grant from National Review. Tyler, thanks so much for taking the time, my friend. Hey, I always love coming on and talking. Absolutely, anytime. Um, so let's let's get into some some news of the week here. Uh, like we were seeing before uh, we got recording, there's not a whole lot of news in the summer. Like, there's no real policy being made. So we kind of dig deep into, like, the Twitter sphere for, uh, for content for the podcast. Um, and... I, you know, so we're we're gonna we're gonna go right to the president of the United States' Twitter feed um, for most of the show today. Uh, I, I believe it's actually copyrighted by by Ben Shapiro. He calls it "Good Trump, Bad Trump." So I need to figure out um, you know another term for this when we analyze Trump's Twitter feed. But uh, for all intents and purposes, it's a little bit of bad Trump today. Um, let's go first to uh, Trump's tweets on uh, 3D printing of firearms, which I don't think he really understands at all. This is a quote from the president. I'm looking into 3D plastic guns being sold to the public. Already spoke to the NRA. Doesn't seem to make make much sense, unquote. So I don't really know where to start here. Um, for those people that don't know what 3D printing is, maybe we should start from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. The, uh, 
You know, I think actually David French over at National Review had a really good piece on this. Maybe maybe yesterday or today. I, the the 3D printing uh, focus of late has been kind of bizarre in light of the fact that this was already something that uh, maybe the conception is that people are going to print these plastic guns and walk through a metal detector and load it like a you know AR-15 and and fire off in the crowd. And that's just not a reality. It's already illegal under the undetectable yeah the undetectable firearm act of 1988 that you you can't have a gun that would be undetectable by airport security or metal detectors so this is already something that's in place and i'm not sure what the focus sudden focus is the 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 impetus of this was the fact that the trump uh, administration privately settled a lawsuit about a guy trying to post plans online, which are already available and right. widely, widely available. So, you know, this is one of those things where Trump says something that he doesn't have appropriate staffing to say, you know, Mr. President, this is a, already something on the books. Maybe let's let's sit this one out. Uh, so, yeah, you know, as Ben Shapiro says, this is definitely a bad Trump situation. I don't, I don't know if what your take on it is, but definitely a bad Trump. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, honestly, I think you're right. He, he did not talk to a, a White House staff member that knows anything about the topic before tweeting this, obviously. I mean, I can kind of just chalk it up to Trump is 72 years old and he probably doesn't know anything about 3D printing. You know, that's probably the the, the, cru- the crux of this. And obviously, like you said, 3D printed guns are not plastic. <laughs> They're not plastic. They are made of metal. Um, I, I really don't get where the, the plastic guns thing uh, comes in. I, I, for those of you that aren't, you know, gun enthusiasts like myself, um, guns get very hot. <laughs> and uh, yeah. if they were made out of plastic, they would melt or at least, you know, become deformed after a few shots and you wouldn't, it would be completely useless. Uh, by the way, the 3D printed guns aren't very reliable to begin with. They're not like high quality products right now. I'm sure they will become better over the years as the, technology progresses um and it's also illegal to sell guns that are 3d printed um it's always been legal to build your own gun and that's what this is it's you know you're you're building your own gun for your private use um nobody's selling these guns so i don't really know where that came from um yeah I, it seems I, yeah. to be one of the cultural war elements where you know this this kind of keeps coming up a lot in a lot of different areas where something that's just so disingenuous genuous and untrue or maybe has you know a, a hint of truth somebody will push this out to be something that's way more extreme than it really is so i imagine that in some war room somewhere the democrats thought okay we can get some press about this we can get some interesting misleading snapchat stories that say well the the republicans want to just they want to print plastic guns and be able to wear you can walk in anywhere with a, a an automatic weapon and it's going to make everything unsafe. And this is, you know, the Republicans are gun nuts, et cetera, et cetera. And I, it's just, it's not true. It's this bizarre uh, second amendment debate, culture war phenomenon that we're kind of, we're, we're engaged in right now. And, and this element is just completely disingenuous and, and, and frankly, just, just untrue. I mean, I, you know, like you say, you put a revolver round in a plastic gun and have some sort of 
a firing mechanism that the thing wouldn't leave the barrel. It, no. it would melt no. so quickly. Yeah, it, it so, would I, completely I destroy the, the weapon. Yeah, um, it, you yeah. know, it almost reminds me with the the mischaracterization of all this. It reminds me almost like ten years ago when people first started caring about like gluten free food, but nobody right. knew nobody knew what gluten was. It was just like a, a a sales tactic to rope in all of like the young white girls that that don't didn't know what gluten was, but they knew it was bad. Like I remember walking around the grocery store and I saw a gluten free sticker on a package of boneless, skinless chicken breast. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, okay, thanks. I'm glad this chicken is not made out of wheat. You know, that's very helpful. Isn't so this I, the, just like the general business model of Whole Foods? <laughs> right, yeah, gluten-free. It's milk. Yeah. Of course it's not, Of course it's gluten-free. Thanks a lot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they really don't care about mischaracterizing the entire point of, of 3D printing. Um, you cannot, look, as long as you are, you, know, you can pack a, Pass a background check. You're not a convicted felon, and you're not selling these weapons. You're just you're 3D printing guns for your own use. You cannot restrict that without violating the Second Amendment. Period. You can't do it. I mean, that would be a giant infringement on on the Second Amendment. And I, I take the term uh, "shall not be infringed" pretty seriously. Um, yeah, I, I don't see how the government can get involved with this without without violating the Second Amendment. Right. And, you know, and this comes back to just the baseline premise of the debate about the Second Amendment, which is the fact that half of society views government as being this overarching friend of the people trying to enable rights and, and lift people out of poverty and be the impetus by which business and civil function works. And to some extent, that's partially true. But also we know from from experience and certainly you know, if you spend any amount of time listening to the left about how horrible President Trump is and how many rights have been infringed, et cetera, then you would also concede and concede the notion that government does bad things. And, you know, not to say that I'm accepting the, the premise of the left, but I'm, I'm making the point that government also does bad things. And so if government does bad things then people have no other ability to thwart the bad things of government, but with a gun in their hand, you know, you're not, you know, showing up and saying, please, Mr. Government, you know, don't infringe on my rights anymore if you're not armed. And that's that's what every revolution, that's how this country was founded. And we did things for far less. So the fact that we were having this debate, half of society feels one way about it, half of society feels the other way about it. And that's really kind of the, the crux of our debate in society. And, you know, and that, and that, that debate should be ongoing. But it's it one side always tries to run this this fear tag. I always thought it was really interesting. And I had this conversation with a friend of mine who works at R Street. And we were laughing about how, on the one hand, the left wanted to confiscate all, you know, quote-unquote, semi-automatic assault weapons, a.k.a., you know, every AR-15 in the country, and put it in the hands of a person that they deemed to be a totalitarian autocrat in the form of President Trump. I mean, the, the irony of that is really, really astounding yeah not to mention the irony that you know the left says all cops are racist but you know the only people they want to have guns are the cops so i mean there's exactly I mean, exactly yeah there's yeah. no there's no limit to the hypocrisy on the left here and um you know i i'm not trying to look talking about trump's relationship to the gun debate um look for the last year and a half 
President Trump has governed like a conservative most of the time. Um, obviously, tariffs notwithstanding. Um, but for the most part, he's been a hell of a lot more conservative than I thought he was going to be. I've been pretty happy with, with the conservative agenda, agenda put forward by this White House for the most part. But President Trump is a New Yorker. He, I'm sure he's never owned a gun. It would not surprise me if he's never shot a gun. I don't think he really cares too deeply one way or the other about the gun debate. It's just not something that it's not in his background. It's not something that's usually on his radar, I don't think. And the right conservatives really need to hold his feet to the fire on the Second Amendment because I just don't think I'm not saying Trump's a gun grabber or anything. He's not. But I just don't think he has any deep feelings about this one way or the other. And it is up to people like the NRA and just conservatives as a whole to hold him accountable on, on the Second Amendment. I just don't think it's something that he's passionate about one way or the other. That's 100 percent true. I mean, and it's also I think your point is a valid one about the New Yorker element. I think from what I have heard, it would seem that Jared and Ivanka are very gun control type people. And obviously being in his ear, they certainly have a lot of influence to, to peddle in the White House. But, yeah, I think Trump himself understands what where his, his base is at. Right. And doesn't want to push too far against that though i could see him clicking on cnn saying oh my god you can print a plastic gun and walk into a airport and carry it on a plane and he's probably thinking wow that's that sounds terrible like it like, i mean as if anyone would it's only when you get into the details of it that you realize well that's that's just not it's so far afield from reality that that's ridiculous so i th- think that that's what we are seeing and when you have so many competing factions in the White House giving so many different takes on issues. I think that we're going to see a pretty confused president on issues that he doesn't know instinctively. Right. And at least thus far, it does seem like the NRA does have the president's ear on this stuff. Um, so that helps. You know, I hopefully they can educate him on, on these issues and stuff. Um, yeah, hopefully this is just a blip, just a, a Trump spouting off on Twitter and nothing comes of it. But um, look, and, and the listeners know my views on the Second Amendment, just like the founding fathers were. I am a radical on, on the Second Amendment. I think, you know, as long as I'm not a convicted felon, um, I should be able to 3D print an F-18 Super Hornet and park it in my damn driveway if I if I want to, if I can afford it. You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't think there's I think we should have the same weapons. Uh, that the military has maybe short of nuclear weapons, right? I, honestly, I, I think I should park an M1 Abrams in my driveway, locked and loaded, if I can afford one. <laughs> you know, so that's that's my views on the Second Amendment. You know, shall not be infringed. Um, so let, let's move on. Let's move on from that. Uh, this this next okay. series of tweets are even worse <laughs> and make even less sense um, because I believe the president isn't just misguided on this. I think he's just wrong. Um, he attacked the Koch brothers. Um, obviously, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Charles and David Koch, they run Koch Industries. And Koch Industries, uh, <clears throat> they produce oil, natural gas, among several other things. They're, they're mostly an energy-based um, company. And they, they've been basically the Republican Party's uh, primary donors for a couple decades now. They're basically the right's George Soros, except not evil, <laughs> I guess is right. how you could describe them. Um, so Trump attacked the Koch brothers on Twitter. Here's a quote from the president. The globalist Koch brothers, who have become a total joke in real Republican circles, are against strong borders and powerful trade. I'm not quite sure what that means, powerful trade, but 
Moving on. I never sought their support because I don't need their money or bad ideas. They love my tax cuts and regulation cuts, judicial picks, and more. I made them richer. Their network is highly overrated. I've beaten them at every turn. They want to protect their companies outside the U.S. from being taxed. I'm for America first and the American worker, a puppet for no one. Two nice guys with bad ideas. Make America great again. Um, Why is the president going after the Koch brothers? Utterly bizarre. I think that, first of all, the Koch brothers have been insanely helpful to Republican candidates over the years. They have donated... God knows tens how many of millions, millions of dollars. Yeah, maybe hundreds of millions. Yeah, yes. to in, into the coffers of, of Republicans and help them donate. I, I, I still have yet to put my finger on this bizarre strain in the Republican Party of this pseudo-nationalist, anti-free trade, closed-border Republicanism that suddenly came up. I mean, we battled for, you know, decades to get free trade is something that the left conceded was helpful to the economy because you know if if you talk to some older leftists you'll still hear this well we we could prop up in these kind of low localized society socialist enclaves and if we team up with local countries and we could create these free trade zones and things like that. i mean you still hear the, the, this kind of mindset of of the left and we battled for decades to get it where we're in this free trade benefits the American economy mindset. And yet we're, we're retreating and conceding on that ground immediately in this administration with a, a, a tariff war. I don't, I don't think a lot of Republicans and, and certainly Americans realize that we want there to be a trade deficit between us and countries that produce goods because we want Americans to have high paying jobs and we want Americans to be doing the thinking that's what we want people to be able to morph into doing. You want to be able to move off the uh, move off the factory floor. You want to be moving away from having to stand in a you know a really hot Vietnamese factory, you know, sewing a button on a shirt. Like that's what we're trying to move away from. Why would we want to there to be this uh, a trade equalizer? I mean, I guess if we were able to produce something that they wanted to purchase, like a like an iPhone or something, maybe it's a good thing that we sell it to them and they want to buy more more of them, but we always would want to be able to be on the purchasing end of all these things. It's crazy not to want to have trade deficits with lower income economies. I mean, that, that, that's just the basis of a bustling and burgeoning economy. And I, I've, I've seen this in a lot of different people there. I mean, there are a handful of personalities on Twitter that are very closed border anti-free trade. And then, and they use this proxy of fair trade, uh, to try to, I, I guess shield what they're really saying, and to some extent, their criticism is valid about countries like China that uh, that certainly for a long time cheat in foreign policy. They they are in trade. They they float their currency. They use a lot of different degrees of localized taxing and uh, local rules and regulation to make American goods more expensive to make it harder for local Chinese people to buy. American goods, while at the same time ripping off our IP of American goods, so they can make it even cheaper. And yeah, right. that's a problem. But yeah. tariffs are not tariffs are not the answer to that. Right. And the the main problem with China, like you said, is the intellectual property theft, not necessarily their trade barriers. You know, because eventually that's only if they weren't stealing our intellectual property, I wouldn't be as worried because it's eventually just going to hurt their economy long term. But like you said, they're they're 
using these tariffs and they're stealing our our property and and making their own products by ripping us off i <clears throat> this really look the cokes are libertarians i mean they are very principled libertarians they're you know free market free traders like most conservatives are um yep. and the the wildest thing about this feud between the cokes and trump is that the Koch brothers are still giving tens of millions of dollars to Republican candidates for the 2018 mid- midterms. So it's not like they're withholding all their money and they're not donating to anybody that supports Trump or something like that. I, I believe the the crux of this is that they aren't uh, giving either anything or as much as Trump wanted to uh, congressmen um, running against Heidi Heitkamp in North Dakota. What's his name? Um, uh, Kramer? Did I get that right? Okay. I should, okay. have written, should have written it down. But um, so they're not supporting him against Heidi Heitkamp um, and that pissed Trump off and that he went on this tirade. I, I just don't understand. Uh, th- this is just such a weird one, man. Th- this was just out of left field. Um, the, the majority of powerful Republicans and just conservatives in general disagree with Trump's policy on tariffs. So it's not any surprise that the Koch brothers disagree with Trump's policy on tariffs. I just don't understand why this is a big feud, um, especially considering how influential and important the Kochs have been to the conservative movement for literally decades. You know, I do wonder at what point and how far we are away from a third party where the Kochs decide, I'm not getting what I want out of the Republicans. So the Republicans have gone down some wackadoodle, crazy backwoods road, and I, I'm just, we're just not willing to go down that road, and supporting some sort of libertarian actual challenger with an actual platform, because I, I think a lot of you know a lot of moderate blue dog Democrats and certainly a ton of centrist libertarians and you know center right leaning people. I mean that is a massive amount of people now. When you have people like the one in Brooklyn, that's getting a lot of attention. Uh, that candidate that is an open democratic socialist. Yeah, Cor- I mean, that, Ocasio that, Cortez. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. You know, when you, you have her being the, a mouthpiece that the Democrats are eager to get in front of a microphone whenever she can, even though, I, I mean, she is <laughs> dumb as a sack of rocks. It would appear. <laughs> yeah. but, They'll keep putting I mean, a microphone in, in front of that twenty-seven-year-old woman or however old she is. I don't know because she literally doesn't know her ass from a hole in the ground. I mean, it is it is it's, ast- it's, it's weird. It's wonderful to watch anytime she's on TV. It's much much I, much CTV. <laughs> you know, and I haven't watched a ton of her stuff, but the things that I I have watched, I watched something about an interview where she gave a, a take on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, <laughs> right, or and then right. and how we pay for how we pay for something about democratic socialism. And it was kind of like, what on what planet do you live in that, that, that these things make any sense at all? And it, and she just sort of hustled through the interview. But well, my, she, my she also, is, real, real quick, she also said um, that the only reason why unemployment numbers are low is because everybody has two jobs, <laughs> which oh, is right. of course yeah. not how, uh, not how that works at all. But anyway, uh, go ahead. That's absurd. Yeah, the uh, no. So my my main point is that I, I don't understand why it is, or how I, I wonder sometimes how long it is before we see a third party where that that comes in, has more reasonable centrist take on on American policy, and people join in to that camp. And I I wonder, you know, you push people like the Koch brothers who are insanely wealthy men, 
to the brink of that, it kind of it kind of likens to a couple people when Trump was running, and and certainly afterwards when people were talking about his uh, inferiority complex, a lot of people had the take, and and it keeps kind of cropping up and, and reinforcing itself. That Trump has this mindset that people look down at him because he's like more or less you know new money on the scene right and new 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 york money for sure and it make it's always made him feel as if he has something to prove and an axe to grind and things like this where he, where he picks fights with like he pick fights with like mark cuban and and pick fights with coke brothers it's bizarre like these ultra super duper wealthy people that have no real beef with him and he just picks a, a fight that he doesn't need to pick and then feels the need to prop that up by saying, well, you know, I've, I've made all the money that I've made and I became super duper wealthy, et cetera. And it's like, come on, man. Like no one is trying to undercut your it is, bit. It like, is bizarre. And it, it goes back to the late seventies when, when Trump made his, his fortune because he was the outsider in New York, you know, like people respected right. his father who was a well-known real estate developer, but they didn't really respect him. He was kind of the young guy, you know, and then we, when he wanted to build casinos in Atlantic City, the other casino owners didn't want him there because he was the new guy, you know, on the block and stuff. So it almost has that, like, complex that's he's carried his entire life, even though he's well into his 70s and is the president of the United States, the most powerful man on the planet. So it's, you know, and the Cokes are Republicans, I mean, they, they want nothing more than to get Republicans elected and see President Trump be successful. So it isn't right. it's not like I mean, they oppose him on tariffs, but they support his agenda on, I don't know, everything else. <laughs> you know, Mark Cuban, like you mentioned, Mark Cuban, he's a Republican. Like he's I think he's like a kind of a centrist kind of Republican. You know, so it's it's it is odd. You know, the picking these fights is very strange. Um, one more thing on the Cokes, the most annoying thing that the left does and that the media does, it, it, this literally drives me nuts, is anyone Trump criticizes, the media will praise. I'm old enough to remember before two days ago when the Kochs were hashtag literally Hitler, right? I mean, the Kochs have been hashtag literally Hitler for decades since before people hashtagged things, okay? And now the media is praising the Kochs because they're in a fight with President Trump. They did the same thing with Mitt Romney, who was a racist, sexist, homophobe did the same thing with john mccain who was hitler racist sexist bigoted and then if they argue with trump the the media and the left will praise him this is just this has got to stop man this is absolutely ridiculous everybody sees through what they're doing come on the cokes were literally the most hated people in the country from the from the perspective of the left it is just a complete freaking joke that the media is warming up to them now I mean, just to reinforce your point, it's really funny because there's a, an entire movie about this right. the campaign with right. Will Ferrell. Yeah. Those two, the two, you know, men that come in to support their campaign are, are the Koch brothers. Right. And they they call them, they call them something else, but it, it, it's supposed to be them. And they're these horrible bad guys and the whole movie finishes. And then there's kind of a heavy handed political statement at the end of the movie. I mean, that was a very, very famous, well-advertised, you know, Hollywood movie a couple of years ago. It's, it's yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. If you, they will come to your aid if you are critical of President Trump. It's, it is very, 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 very bizarre. 
right. I guess times w- that we live in. W- one more thing before we move on to the next topic. Because um, you said, you know, do you think there will be a third party that people, not necessarily the Koch specifically, uh, but somebody like that, you know, would be frustrated with the Republican Party and really want to put some time and money um, behind a third party. Is it also possible that the Republican Party can fix Trump on the tariff issue? Because if you remove tariffs, if you take out the weird, like, early 1900s-style view on tariffs that Trump has had his entire life for some reason. I don't really know where it came from. But if you remove that, he's pretty much a laissez-faire, free-market capitalist, you know? Like, he's been pretty great on the economy outside of this one issue. So instead of needing to do something radical, like— can the people around the president kind of bring him back to the the free market, free trade position? Because this is kind of the only issue in, in terms of economics that he's not good on. I mean, he's been great on everything else. So I, I'm like, man, it just this one thing, this one thorn in your, in your side, if you can just remove it, then I support basically his entire economic agenda. So is there a chance that, that the people around the president kind of get him out of this obsession with tariffs? I mean, I would hope so. I, I would think that it's in one of these times, there have been several occasions throughout the presidency that I've always thought that it's pretty strange that it got to the point that it got to. Apparently, there's a handful of people that have access to his Twitter account. There's a handful of people that he is constantly talking to throughout the day because he apparently doesn't want to be alone in the office. I'm not sure. But apparently, I mean, he's talking to people constantly. And I I don't know why there's not an instinct with people with their finger on the pulse of, hey, we need to we need to back this up a little bit or this seems a little a bridge too far. And I thought that with John Kelly being in there, that that might signal a little more. He seems a little more heavy handed than Rens previous was. Right. Uh, Because, you know, Rens seemed sort of like a a go-along kind of guy but this this just seems it, it, this is one of those times that i'm surprised ceo of goldman sachs is not on the phone to the president saying wait wait a minute man this is this is way too far you you don't know the box of consequences you're opening up right now and maybe maybe dial the rhetoric down maybe back up a little bit because as uh, i'm sure you saw because of this they were floating that they're going to need to throw down some sort of billion-dollar subsidy to make up for the deficit that farmers were going to have, or steel workers were going to have, or or something in the the Rust Belt, which is where Trump is, you know, most favored in the country. Right. So it, it, unwise. Hopefully, I'm not really a proponent for Congress legislating in the space where I don't think that the president should be speaking in the space at all. But uh, I I view Congress needing to step in. And, and we need some leadership. It doesn't help that Matt Ryan is stepping down. Or Paul, not Matt Ryan. That, I'm a Falcons fan. <laughs> Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan stepping down to you know, pursue other other ventures or whatnot. It, it doesn't help that we're kind of lacking a little leadership. So we're having to look at the Senate side with Orrin Hatch and some of the more senior people over there saying stuff. Hopefully when we get a new speaker, uh, which, you know, fingers crossed, very unlikely it's a Republican majority speaker, we can have somebody saying hey, this is, that doesn't speak for all of us, and pushing back a little bit. A lot of people criticize Paul Ryan for not mediating the president well. Uh, I actually take the position that he did a pretty good job 
and certainly did a really good job pushing through tax cuts. And uh, but I think there's got to be somebody over at Congress that that leads. A lot of people are just kind of holding on for dear life right now. We need somebody that's actually pulling the reins a little bit. Right. No, I agree. And I definitely think Paul Ryan has gotten way too much crap for the job he's done. I think outside of probably the president himself, the Speaker of the House is the toughest job in government. Um, it's, I mean, you're wrangling cats 18 hours a day. I mean, it's really hard to get 435 people to do, to do what you want. I mean, that is a, you know, it's it's almost an impossible task. Um, if, if the Republicans do maintain a majority um, in the House, which they almost certainly will in the Senate, but uh, it's looking, I don't know, 50-50, maybe worse than 50-50, that they'll uh, maintain a majority in the House. Uh, is there any chance, do you think, um, that uh, Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan from Ohio, who said he will run for Speaker, any chance Jim Jordan gets in there, or is it going to be a uh, McCarthy or Steve Scalise, the more, I don't like the term establishment, but a more quote-unquote establishment kind of guy? Zero percent chance that the speaker. Zero zero percent chance. Less less than zero percent. I, I would say McCarthy or maybe Scalise, but they will. Because Jim Jim is a Freedom Caucus guy, right? Right. Yeah. The, the only people the only people that people hate more than the majority leader is Freedom Caucus people. Like they're. No one is going to let that happen. And certainly uh, Congressman Jeffries being caught up in a, in a Me Too kind of situation, uh, that's not going to that's not going to help help him in any way, uh, you know, because uh, he has some sort of wrestling issue. Right. Well, he uh, we, we talked about that on the show, and I think that's kind of a load of BS. I, we've, I've looked into it pretty closely. He was a wrestling coach at Ohio State in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was right out of college, yeah. and that was when uh, a team doctor of some kind had, uh, you know, molested or, uh, you know, done something physical with with a bunch of these college wrestlers, and um, the allegations were that uh, they didn't really hold water. It was that Jim Jordan quote must have known something. They're like, well, he was around. He must have known something. And then the, the people accusing him, that was all they had. They had, like, no proof that he knew anything or saw anything. He claims he didn't. And then most of the wrestlers he coached at the time actually stood up for him and said, no, there's no way he would have known anything. You know, he was a coach. He wasn't around when guys are getting physicals. You know, it's not like something where he sure. – And he wasn't even the head coach. He was, like, you know, an assistant coach right out of college uh, when he was actually – I believe he was training for the Olympics. He was a high-level wrestler. Um but I, I've always liked Jim Jordan. I, you know, I, I'm partial to the Freedom Caucus guys. But yeah, I think there's about 15 of them, which would leave them about, you know, 270 something votes short for speaker. Right. So uh, you know, it, it's a nice pipe dream, but I doubt it's going to happen. Um, all right, so let's move on. Before I let you go, one more topic for the day, um, and I'm I'm jumping right back to Twitter because, like I said, there's really no policy going on. Uh, it's wow, it's August 1st. Hmm. Time is really flying. Yeah. I was going to say it's the middle of July, but that would be a complete lie. Um, it is August yeah. now, but still not not a whole lot going on policy-wise. So I'm going to go to our friend Jim Acosta over at CNN, his Twitter. Um, and I don't have the clip, but uh, for a little context, uh, he posted a clip of people at a Donald Trump rally in Florida last night chanting CNN sucks <laughs> when Jim Acosta yeah. was, uh, was uh, you know, on camera talking and 
I don't know. I, I really have no sympathy ever for Jim Acosta, so I, I think that's pretty funny. But uh, this was his tweet you know, talking about the, the Trump supporters. Quote, just a sample of the sad scene we faced at the Trump rally in Tampa. I'm very worried that the hostility whipped up by Trump and some conservative media will result in someone getting hurt. We should not treat our fellow Americans this way. The press is not the enemy. So he's basically accusing the right of being violent, saying he's scared of violence from the right. Um, man, it would be too bad if, you know, Steve Scalise was shot by a Bernie Sanders supporter or Rand Paul was attacked by a leftist and had six ribs broken or it would be a real shame if Antifa were hitting people with bike locks and stuff like that. Um, how the hell does the left get away with blaming violence on the right at this point? Yeah, so I've always, I've always, always, always counseled restraint and words matter in the public debate and thinking that you can just walk out and say anything that you want and it's fine is, is a problem that the left and right has. I mean, certainly we've seen a lot of leftist violence, but when you think about it, there's probably, you know, 40% of the country conservatives that are law abiding citizens. There's probably 40% of the country that's, you know, leftist, law-abiding citizens then you have you know 10% like libertarian socialists whatever that are law-abiding citizens but then you have this other 10% of people that are that are kind of that are kind of unhinged and you know you got to be really careful about the things that you say to them because if, if you gin them up like these people have a proclivity for violence and they're ready to be violent and in giving them a reason and an impetus to be violent is going to make them violent and I've always thought it was improper to push rhetoric that could be perceived as being violent or inciting violence. I've always been nervous about that. Uh, but certainly Jim Acosta's way of pretending as if he's this crusader walking into a white house that's totalitarian and is very excited to lock up members of the press. Like I can't, I mean, can you name a person that's been locked up since Donald Trump has walked, has been and, the Oval, that's a member of the press? No, it hasn't happened. You know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember where the other day in China, the other day in Russia, people were killed or arrested being reporters in those countries for speaking ill of the regime. I mean, that, that was a week ago. Yeah. Uh, but that's not happening in the Trump administration. I think his criticism of CNN is sometimes over the top, sometimes it's valid. I think... In, a, in an age in which news media is consumed so often and so um, vociferously by so many people all the time, you have a problem where you have to be first rather than be right. And being first is rewarded more than being right. And so places like that are against the regime or the regime that are against the Trump administration, <laughs> uh, they uh, they they're more interested in getting content out there that kind of speaks to the people that watch their shows rather than more nuanced, long form reports on an issue. And, you know, that, that's a more broader criticism of the press and also criticism of the consumer of the press, because we, you know, we're the ones that reward or disincentivize the press from doing particular things based upon our consumption. So, I mean, yeah, Jim Acosta, he's a complete goober and does weird stuff all, all the time and pretends like he's this 
white knight riding into the White House to try to hold up some sort of degree of you know civility as if he's this this character out of the West Wing TV show. And, I, you know, it, 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 it's always kind of rubbed me the wrong way and, and it feels wrong. But at the same time, I mean, if, if you're true, if you're truly objective, um, you know, people like Anderson Cooper, for example, until he started doing that kind of eye roll thing, you know, a lot, no one would, no one either side was saying, oh, wow, Anderson Cooper is a, a disingenuous hack. No one was doing that. Uh, but I think, uh, what's his name? Shepard's the same way on Fox. People right. really value what he has to say because he removes as m- many layers of the politics of something as he can. But I mean, again, everything is political. So it's, it's hard to remove every layer of everything. But at the same time, like when you're at least coming to the, the mat with good faith, people respect that. And I think sometimes with, with CNN and Trump calls him out specifically, some of the stuff that they do is is in bad faith. I mean, so, I don't know if you've watched some of these panels that have like nine people on them. Oh, yeah. And they're giving everybody with their like 15 second take. And of, of the nine, eight of them are, you know, leftists that hate him so much and that want him to want to have wanted him to be impeached since day one before he did anything. And then you have the one Trump surrogate who is so clearly like a caricature of what they want someone who supports Trump to be. They'll, well, they'll bring the character, the character of, a, of a, a Trump supporter. Sometimes, sometimes it'll be the eight leftists that, that hate Trump, and then they'll bring on, you know, like Bill Kristol, who hates Trump, <laughs> as the as the Republican, right. right? You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, well, he's just gonna agree with the the people that hate Trump because he hates Trump, you know. So sometimes they don't even yeah. make the effort of bringing on a Trump supporter. Um, I, by and large, I support Trump attacking the media because. In a lot of ways, they deserve it. He did go way over the top by calling them the enemy of the people. Um, they can be ridiculous. They can be socialist sympathizers. They can be awful at their jobs and still not be the enemy of the American people. I think that is taking it way too far. But Agreed. just the lack of self-awareness that, that Jim Acosta would say, you know, the right Trump is going to cause violence when the only violence at least so far, I could, I mean, tomorrow some Republican could go on a shooting spree. I mean, who knows? You know, God forbid. But so far, the violence has exclusively come from the left. So, I mean, this man has no self-awareness at all. And the, the editor of the New York Times sat down with Trump and, and told Trump the same thing, um, I believe, on Monday and said, you know, you got to dial back the attacks on the media because, you know, journal, journalists are going to get hurt. Uh, the only people that have been hurt are people on the right. I mean, the only people displaying violence are leftist at this point and that could change of course and of course i want i want the the rhetoric to be dialed back i think everybody does at least most people do but just the lack of self-awareness man like how can you possibly warn against violence from the right when your side is violent and for the love of god man i, I know i've said this before and i'm, I'm kind of tongue-in-cheek about this but people on the right have 95 percent of the guns in the country People, you know what I mean? Like, look, if the right was getting violent, you'd know it. It would, it would get bad yeah. fast. It wouldn't be a mystery. It would be a civil war. So I, I just don't get it, man. Rand Paul, assaulted by a leftist. You know, he almost died. Steve Scalise, shot, almost killed by a Bernie bro. Right? You, you know, we said, I already mentioned Antifa and all these, these leftist anarchist groups. I, just a lack of self-awareness here, man, is just staggering. 
Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, hopefully, I mean, hopefully, again, you know, I'm not not trying to like hit both sides, but I, I view all of this rhetoric to be utterly crazy. I mean, when right. you, you know, a lot of people made fun of the fact that tax cuts are going to kill people. All this stuff is going to kill people. The internet, you know, not having net open neutrality. Yeah. net neutrality. I mean, that's going to kill people. You you say that enough, and people think if if that actually is going to kill people, like I need to do something about that. Right. Because if there was something, if there was a policy implemented by the government where I sincerely felt that it was going to kill a bunch of people in the country that I care about and love, that would be a like I would be at the door of my congressman tomorrow saying wait a minute, like this is a problem and you need to do something about it. And that's, and that's how revolution happens. If the problem is so big and widespread and scary and is going to actually kill people that you have to, you know, the people rise up to, to push back against that or vote people out in elections. That's, it's insane to be constantly like throwing these things out there and people that are not smart or sophisticated or don't spend the amount of time reading, researching, understanding history, to understand understand wait a minute like that person is using hyperbole or whatever and they actually think wow this is actually going to kill people that's when violence happens and that's when people need to place their speech because you have these very very smart people and sometimes really dumb saying these these crazy hyperbolic statements that they don't actually believe but they're just saying that they have like political points and then something bad happens and they're kind of there's no accountability for that and that's a problem absolutely well said, and I completely agree. And I'll let you go. I know you got to get back to the office, and I've already kept you over time. Uh, so before I let you go, uh, where can everybody find good. you online? Where can everybody find your writing and, and all that good stuff? Yeah, I'm doing some doing some writing at National Review, Daily Caller, Washington Examiner of late. I've been doing some stuff at Daily Wire, and I'm on Twitter at the underscore Tyler underscore Grant on Twitter. So follow me. We'll keep the conversation going. All right, everybody follow Tyler, and I'm pretty sure we, you can't talk about it yet, but uh, I believe you'll be having uh, an announcement on uh, something else you've been working on uh, in the near future. So everybody uh, follow that's, that's Tyler. Yep, everybody follow Tyler on Twitter so you don't miss that. Um, it should be very interesting. And uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I will be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Uh-huh.